This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, October 19th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, county is resilient in face of latest COVID-19 subvariant. Ride festivals, last ride. Telluride stands with Ukraine in benefit concert. And a mountain weather forecast. It's deja vu all over again for watchers of the COVID-19 pandemic as the virus is again mutating, this time into the BA5 Omicron subvariant. Good news, however, because COVID appears to be staying under control in San Miguel County and much of the United States. At this week's public health update before the Board of County Commissioners, Public Health Director Grace Franklin reports that there are no active hospitalizations in the county. Um, So we haven't had any um, current hospitalizations, which is really encouraging to hear. It's really maintained in that lower level compared to the last few waves we've seen um, with Delta and the original strain. COVID is still active in the community, however, as evidenced by testing of Telluride's wastewater. According to this metric, Telluride remains in the top 25% of Colorado communities, which monitor waste for the disease. But when we look at our wastewater, it still continues to fluctuate quite substantially. Um, So you can see the last month's data or last couple of weeks data really pulled out here where um, our latest um, numbers are lower um, in near the 100,000 COVID copies per liter. When you take a comparison look here where we still remain in that top quarter of high disease burden, a big part of the community's resilience in the face of the latest subvariant can be attributed to the latest vaccine booster, Franklin says. Um, we're really excited. The latest Omicron bivalent booster um, was recently authorized for ages five and above. This protects against the original strain of COVID as well as BA4, BA5, um, which has been the most prominent in our communities for the last few months even as different subvariants of Omicron continue to shift and mutate over time and uh, might become more prominent in our communities, um, the BA4-5 strain um, in this booster does create um, that immune response to Omicron as a whole. So it does add a benefit. Franklin says that the county has made a good start on administering those vaccinations and is planning to promote the vaccine even more. And we had just short of a thousand residents um, that um, have gotten the updated booster. So that's a really good start on our end and demands continued from the public health side as well. Um, And with that, we'll continue ongoing flu and COVID booster clinics and are trying to, um, and we also have responded to a request for more weekend clinics. So public health, we're gonna be hosting um, a couple Friday clinics in November. And then we're working with the state who's coming back with the vaccine bus on October 29th in Telluride and then October 30th in Mountain Village. Additionally, the state vaccine bus will be in town on October 20th to administer monkeypox vaccines. Cases of monkeypox have continued, have continued to decline in San Miguel County since August. While much of the health update was business as usual, Commissioner Waring asked for a review of return-to-work protocols after someone comes down with COVID-19. I know that there's been uh, anecdotally uh, an increase in COVID in at least the east end of the county. And if you could remind us of the protocol for returning to the work world. 
Franklin reports that at a bare minimum, individuals who test positive should isolate for five days after they first show symptoms and wear a mask in public for five additional days. Franklin also encouraged anyone who is sick to wear a mask and proceed with caution, even if they test negative for COVID. There's a lot of folks that um, don't tend to pop up as positive until um, a couple days into their illness. And what a bummer, right, not to take precautions and potentially expose others. Franklin also encourages residents to fill out the Community Health Survey, which is open through December 16th. It's available online at bit.ly slash comhealthsurvey. The Ride Festival will not ride again. Maybe. On Wednesday, Ride Festival promoter Todd Creel withdrew an application to hold the Rock and Roll Festival in Town Park September 29th through October 1st, 2023. The withdrawal took place during a joint Telluride Parks and Recreation Commission and Telluride Town Council meeting. At the beginning of the meeting, Parks and Recreation Director Stephanie Jacquet explained the festival request. They are looking to hold a major festival with a maximum crowd size of 6,000 people per day in Town Park on Friday, September 29th, Saturday, September 30th, and Sunday, October 1st. She notes there are not direct event conflicts in Town Park at that time, but it would impact local programming. The request for the proposed setup event operations and teardown for this event would directly impact youth and adult soccer on town park fields. Jacquet adds staffing for the Parks and Rec Department and law enforcement could make the dates difficult. During the conversation, Creel noted he wants to do what it takes to make the festival work, if that's what the community wants. The truth is, I'm open to anything. I just want to do this event in this town. But I'm not going to do it in May. I've tried the end of August. It doesn't work. I believe this weekend will work well. If I go into mid-October, you know, for all the reasons that Parks and Rec already stated, that's not going to work. You can't, you know, uh, so I'm considered every day on every weekend. And from my perspective, this weekend works well if everybody wants it. And if they don't, it's okay. You know, like, it's all right. It's the evolution of the town. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of money. I love it. But if I stop tomorrow... I'll probably live longer. So, you know, whatever. Whatever you guys decide, it's fine. Through discussion, Parks and Recreation Commission members shared their concerns with the festival dates. Here's Commission members J.J. Osula, then Ryan Higgins. Yeah, I feel like our job as Commission members here for the park is pretty straightforward. And, I, you know, with these new dates, I just don't think the venue is available. The stress it puts on the fields, the stress it puts you know, after soccer, before um, winter shutdown, all that stuff. Kind of seems like a square peg round hole. Um, but but I hope you can make it work maybe for other dates or in July or something that we can look at again. Because, you know, I think we all love music and we all love supporting local events. I think it's clear that you've made a lot of concessions, Todd, and um, have tried to appease other interest groups at the park um if we're looking at the purview of um you know the parks and rec commission and i guess being a again being a steward of the park um it's probably 
it's it seems to be a bit difficult. I I know I could say with confidence that most people in this room would be at your festival if it were this weekend. Um, but yeah, it does seem it just it just seems like probably a bit too cumbersome on the park. Uh, and that's that's my two cents. And before town council members could provide their thoughts or the commission had the opportunity to vote, Creel decided to withdraw his application. I wanted to have this discussion. I appreciate what every one of you said. If I was in your shoes, I'd probably be saying the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find the window to keep the thing going. And I think the comments you guys have all made are valid. So I don't really see any reason to put you through yet another meeting, another vote. Like, I hear what you say. I take it to heart. And I'm happy to just withdraw the application right now. And you guys don't have to have one more word about it. Okay, so I formally withdraw my application and I appreciate all your time. The Ride Festival will not take place in Town Park September 29th through October 1st, 2023. Creel does have the ability to apply for different festival dates if he so chooses. On February 24th, Russia invaded Ukraine. In the more than six months since the war began, the invasion has stayed in the news, but floated at times to the background. Abortion, gas prices, bluegrass and film fests have grabbed the headlines. But Yana Pollard wants to keep Ukraine front and center. Russia has recently uh, increased their violence over in Ukraine. Um, but the reason why Sean Mahoney, myself, and student council here, along with Tracy Bays, wanted to do it is because winter's coming. Um, and so we want to make sure that the people who need it the most have clothes, um, have money, have access to resources. Pollard, along with local musician Sean Mahoney and members of the Telluride High School Student Council, is hosting a second benefit concert to raise money for Ukraine. The group also held a concert in March following the initial invasion. This time we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to have live music again. Uh, we have two bands playing, um, but we're also going to have a silent art auction, which I'm really excited for. Winston Churchill's granddaughter's art piece is going to be auctioned off. We're also going to have a local refugee. Her, um, She has uh, lithographs of sunflowers that she's donating for us to auction off. Um, and we also, the student council here, along with the freshmen and senior grades, did a trade-up with local businesses. So we just have like a very nice Pendleton dog bed that we're going to auction off and some nice hats and different like local art pieces that aren't in the like elite echelon art world. High school students will also share an interview with Natalie Juresko, former finance minister for Ukraine. Our student council came up with a panel of students who are going to talk to her and ask her questions. And we're going to play that interview throughout the concert as a way to kind of get people information from a person who is working with the government currently, has a lot of connections and really has a deeper understanding of where and why we need aid in that part of the world. Pollard says she wants to continue support for the country following the success of the first concert. Our last benefit concert was a huge success. We raised over $4,000 um, and got aid throughout the summer because of that concert. Um, 
We've noticed recently a change in need over there. Um, for example, we're going to highlight an organization that um, helps children with prosthetics. For people who don't know, Ukraine is one of the heaviest mined countries right now. Um, and as Russia leaves territories and takes over territories, they leave these like horrible mines around. Um, and it's really hard for children to get fitted with prosthetics because they're constantly growing and it costs a lot of money and a lot of time. So that's like an organization that we're going to highlight in this benefit concert. And in addition to all that, Pollard says they'll be highlighting local projects working to support the Ukrainian people. We are going to talk about a local's project who lives in Ridgeway um, and owns some property and is looking to house Ukrainian students here. So if people want to learn about projects here that other locals are doing, we're going to have that. For those who are unable to attend the concert or want to give more, Pollard says they'll be collecting funds. We're going to have beautiful posters up again. Austin Cook came up with this amazing poster. Um, And so my Venmo is attached on that, and they can just add a note on Venmo um, where they want to send it to, like whether they want to focus on refugees, whether they want to focus on children, whether they want to focus on the military. Um, And we'll get that to where it needs to go. But she says if you can't give money at this time, there are other ways to help. I think just like spreading awareness and continuing to talk about it as we get into the holiday season, because I think we just kind of forget what other people's experiences are currently. Um, Even just like sending a good thought out there, I think helps. The Stand With Ukraine benefit concert and art auction will take place at the Telluride Transfer Warehouse on Saturday, October 22nd from 2 to 5 p.m. The energy specialist for EcoAction Partners, Kim Wheels, has been named to Colorado State Energy Code Board. The board was created by the Colorado General Assembly earlier this year and is charged with guiding the state's green energy transition. It is specifically tasked with updating building codes to guide construction and renovation projects towards energy efficiency. The board also addresses the transition to electric vehicles. It has 19 members from across the state. Wheels has worked with EcoAction Partners since the group formed in 2007 and also oversees the Sneffels Energy Board, a regional authority on all things green energy. At a work session last week, the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners reviewed nonprofit grant requests for the upcoming year. Many requests repeat year after year, and those amounts have held relatively stable. Grant requests made to parks and open space, however, have increased by a total of $10,000 over the last year. That's largely due to Telluride Academy's request for $8,000 to support outreach to the county's Latino community and students in the West End. In the past years, Telluride Academy has not made a request. The county also funds a number of social services. Not all those requests have come in, which could put the county over budget in that particular category. Social services range from lunch programs for Norwood seniors to funds for legal support and advocacy. The gondola closed on Sunday. The streets are quieter. All signs point to off-season. For those sticking around town during the quieter months, it's good to know where you can eat. Restaurants staying open through the off-season are Alpinist and the Goat, Baked in Telluride, with the exception of a week in November, Butcher and Baker, Cindy Bread, Corner House, and Crazy Elk. 
Alteza, Brown Dog, Coffee Cowboy, Cosmo, Floridora, High Pie, La Cocina, Buck, Oak, Poachers, Rustico, Smugglers, Strong House, The Pick, and the Telluride Coffee Company will all stay open, but with modified hours. Millions of mail ballots for November's election are out for delivery this week. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Voters are choosing their next governor and who will represent them in Washington, D.C. There are also 11 statewide questions. Ballots need to be mailed back by October 31st to be counted. If voters need more time, they can also return them to secure drop boxes and polling centers through November 8th. Colorado is a same-day registration state, so residents can register to vote all the way through Election Day. The Secretary of State's office has an online tool that voters can use to track their ballots through the mail to the moment they're verified and counted. Colorado also has several new laws aiming to protect election officials and prevent people from intimidating voters at polling places. I'm Scott Franz. A Navajo seed keeper is preserving and sharing the foods of his ancestors with customers online and over 13,000 followers on Twitter. It all started with the blue corn stalks that he grows on his farm in Shiprock, New Mexico. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD visited him to learn more. Yeah, this is, I've only seen two of these. Were the stalks like are entirely purple. This is like very rare. In Shiprock, New Mexico, on a rainy day with slippery clay earth caking our boots, Graham Bial takes me on a tour of his four-acre cornfield where he lives and works. The iconic mile-tall Shiprock is obscured by the clouds, but Bial's blue corn stalks are impressive, standing 12 feet high. Uh, I was actually going to be picking today, but with the rain, I'm probably just going to wait for a while. So what we'll do is pick out on the field, and then over at the corner, kind of where you came in, there's like a, a drying rack. And so that's what we put all the corn on, and it just kind of sits there for a couple of days until it's fully dry. From that, then we'll take it off, taking the kernels off of the cob. The corn stalks that Bial is growing have a legacy in the Navajo tradition. His blue corn was given to him by an elder and has been passed down for many generations. Bial works every day to preserve his ancestor's legacy by growing and sharing the crops. One of my grandpas, I remember we were walking around and we went into the cornfield and he goes in there and he picks a corn. He said, you can grow a whole field from this. And this is like thousands of years in this corn and now it's yours. So I have couple of seeds, you know, been given to me by different elders, different mentors, and different people in the community. He shows me a bunch of glass jars with colorful seeds in each one. So yeah, this is uh, some of the seeds, bean seeds to uh, sugar cane seeds, watermelon seeds to oats, and then all different kinds of like corn. The main staple that I focus on is blue corn. During the pandemic, he started selling his blue corn kernels online with a modest sales goal. Kind of just started off, I have 12 jars of blue corn. Would anyone be interested in buying? The response from that was like phenomenal. Like within minutes, all of them were sold. So I was like, okay, there's a market there. That was three years ago. Now he's selling more products online and connects with a bigger audience through over 13,000 Twitter followers. His posts often go viral when he shares native recipes. It's not 
necessarily trying to be an influencer. If I'm communicating to people in a in a vast, broad way, it kind of enables me to have a bigger voice. Bial is part of a growing community of indigenous social media influencers. Dr. Elizabeth Hoover, a professor of Native American environmental health at UC Berkeley, says social media is an important connector for Native seed keepers. Being able to see, like, oh, actually there's people all over the country who are doing that, who are also growing these beautiful seeds, has been encouraging for people. Many of these seeds are incredibly beautiful, right? They're really colorful and they've got different patterns on them than a lot of conventional seed varieties you might pick up. Um, These platforms lend themselves to kind of showcasing how beautiful these seeds are. According to Hoover, cultural ancestry and community health go hand in hand with seed keeping. If you want to eat healthy, you could just plant a bunch of kale or something that maybe you don't necessarily have a cultural connection to. I think people want to eat healthy, you know, for their physical health, but they also want to promote cultural health and spiritual health through having access to these foods. According to the CDC, Native Americans have a greater chance of having type 2 diabetes than any other U.S. racial group. Bial says that the COVID-19 pandemic revealed some alarming health trends in Native communities. With the pandemic, it really exposed a lot of deficiencies, and, and COVID really attacked people with underlying conditions. We as Native Americans struggle a lot. Back under the tarp at Bial's farm with rain still coming down, he gazes out at his cornfield. Jars of colorful seeds sit on the table in front of him. We fundamentally had a relationship with the fresh foods, the healthy foods, the seeds that we carried. And in a way, we've kind of detached ourselves from that. But Bial has reconnected with these foods. He's excited to continue sharing his crops through harvest season and hopes to reach an even wider audience in his fourth year of seed keeping. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low near 40 degrees. Thursday should be mostly sunny with a high near 60, followed by a mostly clear night with a low of 35. Friday should be sunny with a high around 50 degrees, followed by a clear night with a low around 35. This has been the news for Wednesday, October 19th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, Kodo listeners. Do you have a child age 8 years old or younger? If so, join Bright Futures and Wilkinson Public Library every other Tuesday for a free parent support group. Upcoming meetings are on October 25th, November 8th, and November 22nd. We will meet in the library's magazine room from 1130 to 1230. Parenting is hard, and this group is judgment-free and full of empathy. Kids are welcome, and snacks will be provided. See you at the library! Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.